Hello everyone, this is Alien in Bohemia. And I'm Mikey. We are two immigrants living in Prague. And this is our podcast called Aliens of Prague. It's a podcast about why, about who, and what it's like living in Prague as an outsider. In this episode, we're going to talk to Derek. He's a knowledgeable guy, he's a tea master, and he can talk really well. We're hoping you will learn from him as much as we have, and enjoy the following podcast. I have known Derek for... One year, I guess. Year and a half. Year and a half. Close to two. Yeah, yeah the old Chayovna. Yeah. And I have to admit, you are the most poised guy I know. It feels like you have everything under control. Ah, uh, now, that's a very flattering thing to say. No. It- However, the illusion... Uh, <laughs> It's like a magician. I never show my tricks, um, but it at times could not be further from the truth, but it is a compliment I do appreciate. Are you into Japanese culture? I mean, I you, am yeah. actually, yes. Uh, as a small little a note of that, I actually picked up a bottle of particularly nice Japanese gin today, which I have to unfortunately wait until Christmas to try, mm-hmm. but yeah, I just bought myself a Japanese fountain pen. I just had bought some Japanese gin, so yeah, I'm, I'm a bit fond of it. Uh, because from my observation, uh, I I see Japanese people, and they're under control. Men, women. I feel like what even if they're co- cleaning dishes, they do it with with elegance. And I'm surprised. Even young kids, like because in my dorm, I see some like 18, 19 year old, and they're cleaning dishes or cooking, and uh, they're under control. And uh, yeah, they're dressed nice. The the poise is eloquent. It. It baffles me. So maybe maybe at this point we can say we started the podcast. <laughs> that might be a safe assumption. I mean, this thing is live. Yeah. Uh, how long have we been living here? Um, I have been in Prague for just over five years now. Uh, yeah, five years. Five That's years. quite a bit. It's yeah. not too long, but it's certainly not too short. Do you love Prague? I do. I do. Uh, quite um, possibly... A lot of Czechs don't quite understand why. I find this is a common thread with people living here for a long time. But yeah, I, I do. I safely and I confidently say that uh, this is home to me. The feeling is mutual. I feel the same. Yeah. 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 It's. Um, I honestly feel more comfortable here than I do back where I grew up. Where or, did you grow up? Uh, how specific would you like me to be? Uh, be specific enough so that I can Google <laughs> Sure. So um, I hail from the flat and tepid wastes of Millbury, Massachusetts, uh, center of Massachusetts, um, about 45, 45 to 55 minutes west of Boston. So no, I do not talk with a Boston accent, kind of a Baston, Baston kind of thing. None of that nonsense. Um, I was actually raised uh, to appreciate language. <laughs> um, but yeah, so center of the state, and um, haven't lived there in over six, seven years now. So seven years, and you you're in Prague for five years, and did you live there elsewhere? Yes, I actually uh, first got into Europe by living in Spain. Um, I um, moved over here. I moved over here with a contract, a short-term contract with the Spanish government to assist teaching English in a Spanish town, and. Uh, I was thrown into one of the strangest and most delightful places I've ever been in Galicia, in the northwest. So uh, just if you don't know, it's a little chunk right up of Portugal. Mm-hmm. So it's hardly Spanish in many ways. They're uh, Galician first. And um, yeah, so basically that's where Spanish really became fluent for me. And after I was there for about six months, 
Yeah, about six months, I realized that I had zero interest in returning to the United States and just happened to work out that friends I had made in Prague uh, some years before had a space open in their flat and they invited me to come along. So, I have this, uh, I have this theory about language because you mentioned Spanish became, uh, became more fluent for you. And I have this theory, if, uh, if English is your only language and you're trying, I mean, and when, as an adult you're trying to pick another language up, you're going to have a pretty hard time. And uh, the thing is, I hate to make assumptions, but mo- while Americans do learn Spanish as, a, as another language, they rarely actually speak it or actually learn it. What was your case? Um, something of the two. It's, it's sort of a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, where um, I think... Not that I wish to speak for all of the United States, because I would never do, dare to do such a disgusting thing, but... Um, <laughs> Growing up, uh, Spanish or French was the option. I did not come from a I did not come from a wealthy part of the uh, the state, so it's very basic, if not slightly scummy, uh, public school system, where the two options you had were French or Spanish, and I just sort of walked into Spanish. Never took it seriously because there was never any real incentive to oh. learn Spanish properly or learn another not language. Not in Massachusetts. No, <laughs> depending on where you are, it could be relevant. <laughs> Depending on where you are or the people that you know, sure, this could be something that um, became that would become a necessity or would just be wise to learn. But my family, I don't, I honestly don't think anybody speaks any other language other than English. And even then, sometimes it's a question. Yeah, I find I find uh, most Americans' definition of English to be questionable. Yes, I agree with you. I honestly agree with you. Uh, so well, some Americans. Um, but enough. But here's a here's another question. Have you started picking Czech up? Picking what up? The Czech language. Yes, yes, yes. Um, much to the annoyance of my uh, Spanish colleagues, I actually started self-teaching Czech about four months before I moved here, um, which was very I, I I would like to say very noble of me to do. But I mean, Christ's sake, I realized that I was doing it completely wrong. So I was making completely poor assumptions, and I came here, and uh, a good friend of mine asked whether I was trying to speak Czech or Yiddish because of the way I was trying to pronounce things. Brilliant. Yeah. So when, uh, for example, like CH, just a simple H kind of a thing, I I was seeing like, oh, well, no, it's like uh, Loch, like Loch Ness. Mm -hmm. Or Loch Ness. And I was thinking like, oh, well, it's sort of like if I see it on TV, it's like Loch. So I was just saying like uh, Czech. Czech, like Czechy things or something. It was just abysmal. Um, then, yeah, I started learning it properly and becoming uh, started working here and becoming the manager here. I didn't really have much of a choice. Uh, and so my interest coincided with my professional responsibilities and I know enough to get into trouble. I still am learning to get myself out of that trouble. We did not mention the tea house. Mm. Uh, yeah, we're, we're recording in, in Amazing Chayovna in Prague, Davidsa. David say, yeah. David say, it's a tea house and it's a lovely place and that's where all the good people go, right? Well, it depends on your definition of good. I don't like speaking in absolutes. I, I have never, I, I did not meet any bad people here. You know, it's it's a very friendly place and, and with lovely people. That's where I met Derek. Yes, uh, it is a wonderful and bizarre little place that I have had many um, years of my life or basically my years here being... Um, refined and corrupted here um 
gone through many changes. It's definitely gone through a lot of changes, but it's a, um, as I say with my poor maths, it is half Chayovna, half bar, half um, cultural center mm-hmm. for anybody that doesn't know it. So live performances are here. You can get good tea here, good beer here. I don't work here anymore, so I'm trying not Me to make either. this a promotion. So it's just a very strange place where a bunch of very strange people come and meet and you could find anything from professional uh, businessmen, you know, earning seven figures, uh, or you can find the cheapest of checks, or you can find uh, tourists, you can find um, uh, Erasmus students that just come and you literally never know who you will or will not meet here. And the, probably the best thing here is, is I can, I be, you can talk to anybody and Pretty they will much. appreciate your, your company and, and you can have a tea and you can actually talk about anything. They're very free. It's a, it's a great equalizer. Yeah. In many ways, it really is. It really is a place that's very open for conversation, communication with a lot of very different people, but sometimes that is the rub of it. It goes both ways that if you just want to come and have a quiet pint uh-huh. or have a one-on-one conversation with somebody, you know, a room like this is amazing, but once somebody knows that you're there, then there starts being the cavalcade of uh, hellos and greetings and conversations and, you know, little half-baked conversations with people that you really honestly don't know, oh, but Derek, they still I, want to talk. Are you telling me that, like, when I when I see you in Taiwan, I should leave you alone? Well, not necessarily. <laughs> if I'm shouting at someone, maybe. <laughs> now, back to the back to the Prague, Prague hmm. thing. Like, uh, what made, and do, do you know anything specific about, or do, have you have you felt this specific thing made, made me fall in love with Prague? Is there any one specific thing? In a way, yes. Um, I, I grew up in very different circumstances than the way I live now. I would say, let's say mentally. Um, I grew up a very, a very sheltered life, like a very good one in many ways. Amazing parents, very safe childhood. There were no severe family problems or uh, no, no, no uh, amazing, uh, no awful accidents happened in the family when I was growing up. And so I was very sheltered and very naive about the world in many ways. And I had no interest of moving away from where I was living. I figured I would just sort of stay within Massachusetts or, you know, stay close to the people I knew. And coming to Prague, or basically coming to Europe for the first time, I guess a very American thing, doing the Euro trip. When was it the first time you came here? Seven years ago or so, seven or eight years. Um, I was brought here by um, somebody I used to know, and I was here for about two months. Uh, stayed in Prague for one month, actually right at the base of the hill of Vyshehrad. Um, and so I actually saw how people lived out there. And because it's not very touristy, I saw a lot of people there and I met an amazing group of people. I was immediately introduced to an extraordinarily diverse and welcoming group of Czechs, Slovaks, Germans, anybody and everybody that was already here. And um, spending time in the non-tourist areas and spending time with uh, the Czech friends that I had or I was making at that time really gave me an appreciation of number one, you could live away from where you grew up. That was not an idea that ever really occurred to me. It was never a plausible idea. Like, that, does, that just doesn't work. You can't live away from where you know. That's just madness. It's dumb. It's a waste of time and money. And then in my very naive, uh, uh, childish self, I realized that's not quite true. And um, a couple of other 
more serious life events happened during that time that I actually had to start uh, doing things myself. You know, n- nothing like you know a death in the family or anything, but just uh, economic problems and life during and after university. Um, I had quite a lot of problems that made me have to really depend on myself as opposed to depending on my friends or depending on my parents and such. Um, I suppose this is getting a little long-winded, so... No, no, no. No, I just uh, the level going. went down a little bit. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's slight, slightly tangential, so I'll just pull it back, pull the threads a little bit tighter and say that I came to appreciate that you could live more or less how you wanted to here. A lot of people just don't care what you do. Is, um, it, is it the freedom thing? Freedom thing? It's 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 not freedom per se. It's just the perception of it that the way that I understand this country, or the way that I understand the people of this country, uh, the average person, let's say, not necessarily every person. I'm not going to distinguish that, but it, think of the castle, mm-hmm. Prague Castle, beautiful, amazing historical cultural monument that has about six, eight hundred years of amazing history there's no information up there nothing you bet you might know what a building is but there's no there's no dates there's no information placards there's nothing unless you go inside and even then there's not a whole lot unless you really know what you're looking at and then it's just sort of like this layers there's just layers and layers and layers of detail and, and history and passion of this region and it's something that Czechs often don't they don't they don't boast this Czech history, I find, is amazing. Czech culture is phenomenal, and Czech humor is something I'm very actually fond of. But you don't get this from an outside glance. You don't hear about the Czech Republic at all. My my grandparents still have no idea what the hell the Czech Republic is. They still say Czechoslovakia, or they say some other country. They still don't remember where Prague is and whether it has a connection to the Czech Republic in the first place. And it's I don't think that's on I don't think that's by accident. Czechs are so non. Humble? I'd say there. I'd say honestly, there is a humbleness, or there's there's a self-deprecation in a way. That's mm-hmm. one thing I like about Czech humor is yeah, that yeah, they yeah. make fun of themselves almost f- first before almost anybody else. And there's a lot of things that Czechs have done in the past, or Bohemians, let's say at large, Bohemians and Moravians at large. There's a lot of amazing things and amazing people, a lot of amazing uh, works of art that have come from this region, and you would never know because they don't they don't necessarily have that as a defining feature of themselves. It's there. They know about it, but you don't hear about this on the BBC. You don't hear about this in the New York Times. You don't have um, Czech actors screaming about themselves in Hollywood. It's here. It absolutely is here if you actually spend the time to learn about it, but you can just be here and be who you want in many, many ways. With I come from a very privileged position being a white straight male I do acknowledge this but um, it's just the fact that people really don't care it's just they do their own thing in many cases uh, I, I have a small example uh, I used to manage uh, social media for a department in Damu the theater, theater department I guess and it was called authorial acting and I was uh, I was talking with them it's very specific it's a very unique course that only they only offer it's a uh, tutorial acting and creative pedagogy or something it's a, it's a, it's it's i forgot the name maybe something viscochial uh, and he developed this method uh, of acting where uh, during the communist era they performed it and uh, you were the performer you were the author here and 
it's a very unique course and as when i was doing the social media i asked them do you want it to go i mean are you interested in many international students and it seems they are not they like to keep it like 10 15 people they want to keep it as small as possible they they and and probably they're right it's it's a very specific thing and if somebody is very interested they will come you don't need to boast about it i think that's not a bad example it's also just from say like the government's position as well or like cultural position i mean think of the think of the united states the united states has never really been well has never really been known for being subtle or modest or quiet i think only within the past couple of years americans have stopped being the like one of the most hated tourists honestly and i mean i think that comes that's that's for a reason i think that a lot of a lot of americans are very loud, arrogant or very self-confident in the, this idea of American exceptionalism. I was absolutely raised with the idea that the United States is the best country that has ever existed, that does exist and will ever exist. I sure as hell don't feel that way now. Almost entirely the opposite by this point, but um I I just I really have come to loathe this sense of nationalism, I guess. um and you do find this in a lot of places spain can be very proud you know britons can be very proud uh french italian and you know any any nation i mean that's it's fine but czechs really aren't i mean just, what you just said is it a form of uh self deprecation that you i think yeah, partially Ameri- americans yeah that's very czech you're getting into the czech thing i guess <laughs> no it's just i think it's very it's it's certainly part of it i think because um check history i mean they've only been they've only been liberated like basically they've only been in control of their own lives for like 80 years out of the past 600 or 700 years something like that uh because otherwise they were controlled by other other nations other well, in that kingdoms. case it would be the last the past 30 years 30 years no 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 i'm saying like i'm saying in 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 overall because even when you had the last bohemian king that was for a certain period of time then they were controlled by the um holy roman empire then they were controlled by the austro-hungarians mm-hmm. and then they had freedom from 1918 to 1938 and then basically the nazis were around then they had freedom again for about another 6 8 months and then the communists took over and then it's only been since 1989 so uh, 1989 then 1993 with the split but whatever it's still just to say that like out of all this time i think that's it's definitely humbled a lot of the the people here because historically czechs have never really had the upper hand in in many cases not a poor nation in many ways but not really you know there aren't many czech colonies mm-hmm. which is something i can really appreciate honestly yeah 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 do you do you feel you get communism because you i The thing is um I I come from a country that used to be communist as well and 1989 came and it swept communism away. I lived part of my life under communism and my question is you coming from your self-claimed privileged position how do you perceive communism do you feel like you get communism like you you have a you have a sense of what it was like? only in a tangential sense because also i guess that means what color of communism are we talking about are we talking about like stalinism are we talking about the the cruel uh sort of like half socialism half communism that was here or are we talking about like um you know like tito's version of communism like where what are we like what version do we mean uh, like what flavor do we want to discuss like overall 
No. Like, I probably don't because I have no personal perspective of it. But from being here and through some of the people that I've known, I just I don't have a positive opinion about it. That is for sure. Not everything was 100% worse, but it sure as hell wasn't better. You know, whether we want to argue the, you know, the economic and political ramifications of free market capitalism versus authoritarian communism, that's a whole, that's a whole different cuddle of fish. It's a separate podcast. <laughs> uh, one I'd be happy to bullshit my way through. No comment. Yeah. The thing, um, the thing is, there's, uh, there's this term to grok. It's one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite words. I think I've told you. I have no before. idea. I don't remember. Uh, to grok. Um, grok with a G or yeah, with a G. With a, okay. Grok. I I need to remember. It was uh, it was coined by a by a science fiction writer. I can't remember his name. That was I think that <laughs> is um, the one that did Starship Troopers and the Moon is a Harsh Mistress. Mm, we'll we'll look it up after this. But the point is, it, it took me a while to understand this. But its meaning is to is its meaning to understand at a much deeper level, not simply to understand. And usually, when I when I try to when I try to the thing is, I mean, this word means a lot to me because uh, it's. I mean, essentially, if I if I was to ask you the question about getting communism, about if you, I was to ask you again, I would do grok communism. And, I, I think uh, I get it. I don't grok it. Yeah. Well, the, because the the best way to explain this would be if I was to if I was to tell you if I was to tell you a, a joke about communism, or I don't know if I was to tell the average American a joke about communism, and if I was to tell about someone uh, local, the same joke. The idea is. I would tell the average. I mean, I would tell the. If I would was to explain the joke to the average American, they would understand why it is funny, but they still would not find it as funny as someone who has the whole context. That's grokking, and this is exactly what grokking communism would uh, would be about. But the thing is, you don't. The, my point being, uh, if you study this thing long enough, you actually start to get uh, to start to get a sense for it. And uh, especially looking, uh, especially looking at uh, today's uh, today's state of society, it definitely explains quite a lot. It's an interesting concept. Um, I mean, I have I have studied a lot of Czech history. Actually, I, I feel I'm not going to say I'm some expert by any measure, but um, uh, one of the one of the strange paths I've taken was being a tour guide for about a year. Um, And uh, I mean, I, I'm kind of a sucker for learning. It, it was like one of those like weird knowledge junkies. I, I so much useless information that's just fun to know, but it's never really helpful. Same kind of thing when it comes to when it came to learning about the history here. So to some degree, I might know it more than the average bear. But again, not having the personal context of it, I, I probably can't say that I, I grok it particularly well. <laughs> Here is a question. I do not know if it will be published before or after Christmas. Czech Republic is a very atheist country, hmm. but non-religious. I think non-religious. Okay, okay. non-religious, but they do celebrate Christmas. They believe in fairies and everything. Every TV TV has these movies, and I, I I cannot explain. You have this lifestyle, and and then suddenly for for like two three weeks, you are completely uh, enjoying the the, the Christian festival and and going through that tv sh tv shows i call it festive hedonism 
I, I, I think there's a good reason for that, honestly. I mean, it's, it's suspension of disbelief. In many ways, everybody likes a good story. Everybody loves a good story, and everybody, everybody loves nostalgia. If you're born loving Santa Claus, it doesn't matter. Like, once you know that Santa Claus may or not be real, I mean, I'm not saying one way or another. I don't know. I don't have empirical evidence of the existence of Santa Claus, just to put that out there. Um, but it, it's sort of the... It's one of the few ways that magic can still exist. Uh, basically, these few these few scant uh, holidays. It's, I, it's not necessarily religious. I mean, there is Yezhishek, baby Jesus, as the main focal point for Czech uh, Vánoce, uh, Christmas, that you don't have Santa Claus here. A lot of Czechs actively hate Santa Claus because it's not proper. It's, it's too capitalist as opposed to baby Jesus, which somehow makes more sense. But I think there's a certain humor to it. Whether it's intentional or not, I find a humor in it because you know the tradition of it. Baby, uh, basically, baby Jesus pops into your house on uh, the twenty, I believe, on the twenty fourth. Twenty fourth uh, evening. The, the the gifts kind of just kind of sprinkle themselves under the tree. You hear a bell ringing. Baby Jesus pops away, and to, you know, a magic baby Jesus arguably makes more sense than a ginormous, a, a basically a ginormous man who works once a day delivering presents all over the world. You know, in some ways, sort of like, yeah, a baby can fit in a window. But, it, it, sorry, it's just maybe a little bit irreverent humor, but it's sort of, I don't think that there's necessarily, I don't think that there's a, a cognitive dissonance, uh, a dissonance between the two. They're non-religious, but that doesn't mean that histor basically historical or cultural traditions no longer cease to be. Um, that it's baby Jesus, but it's not sort of like, you know, cross yourself, Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth kind of a thing. It's a whole separate entity. It's like Santa Claus, Saint Nicholas. It's originally a religious, it has religious import, but now you think of Coca-Cola, red suit, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Santa Claus. You're not thinking of Saint Nicholas kind of idea. The religious weight doesn't really exist. And so here it's older, much older, and has a lot of historical and cultural weight to it. And, you know, it, you have a lot of checks that are raised now with Santa Claus that, you know, like I'd say mod, like the like my generation or younger generations will probably celebrate Santa Claus and baby Jesus, perhaps, you know, with the equal weight or the equal belief as the previous generations, baby Jesus. You you have been uh, here for five years, right? Yes. And you have seen five Christmas, or do you go back home? Five. I've I actually um, cue the sad violin, but I haven't actually been with my family for a significant holiday for since I've been here. Uh, I haven't had a Christmas or a Thanksgiving or a New Year's with my family in about seven years. That's long do you time. find that to be healthier? I can't say about healthy, but financially, I mean. <laughs> Healthy health doesn't care about your finances, and unfortunately, just a lot of cases, the cost and the time involved um, really just hasn't worked out. Because my parents probably would send me the money for a ticket, but to some degree, it's just sort of I don't want them spending like two thousand dollars to have me out there. And if I'm perfectly honest, sorry, mom and dad, but have you ever been to New England? I have never been to New England. No, it sucks. <laughs> Winters suck. Right now, the weather is um, just for um, 
should I be using metric or should I be using... Use the proper one. Understood. So basically they have over 30 centimeters of snow already. Uh This morning it was about, um, it was negative 14 where my parents live and it was negative 18 at their cottage about an hour away. I don't need to be in this. I don't miss this. And if I go home, my, my father, a man that I adore, respect and love would have my ass outside shoveling that driveway and getting firewood out back and dragging it to the front every day and a half. Are you a lazy guy? Not you lazy. don't look like a lazy guy. I'm not a particularly lazy guy, but I've done this for about 23 uh-huh. years. I did it for about 23 years. I don't necessarily miss it. I actually can uh, relate to your point. Uh, I haven't been home for two years. And it's not like there's no money. My mom, dad, they, they can send money. But it's this thing i came here for a reason and i i expect to earn money and and actually buy my own ticket and go home it hasn't happened in two years uh because it's so far away and and it's it's not like if you buy six months in advance it will be less no it's not it's they know that like you have to go there so you have to buy the ticket it is hard to stay like this uh but but this whole thing about growing up i guess is it about growing up that i want to earn my own thing I think I think in a very realistic way, yes. And if you think about it from a practical standpoint, I mean, maybe it's the size of the United States that makes this fix so well in my mind. But you know, I, I do miss my parents. Of course, I, I miss my the friend, the very few friends that are left in the area. I do miss them. I, I miss having holidays with them. And honestly, I feel bad when. I know that my dad and my mom have to go outside and shovel 30, 30, 30, 30 centimeters of wet, slushy snow. I, in I feel, minus 18. In minus 18 degrees. I do honestly feel bad. I wish I could be there and help them um, because, you know, it's like they've worked for their entire lives. It's not so much to ask for. But realistically, would I be anywhere near them to do this? Would I still be living within, you know, a, a snowball's throw from where I grew up? Probably not. If you know, if I lived in Boston, maybe I could go back for a while. Or if I lived in New York, maybe a little bit more difficult. Or California, Canada, God knows. But realistically, I wouldn't probably be there to help them anyways. It would might be easier to see them on a regular basis, but it's not that much different. So, but when it comes to the money thing, I think that's part of it as well. And whether you have the luxury, the money and the luxury to take time off and afford tickets. If you have the money, often you can't take the time off. Mm-hmm. If you can take the time off, you're a broke son of a gun, and you can't afford to really, you know, you're struggling to buy yourself rice sometimes, never mind a plane ticket that goes across the pond. So how do you deal with this? I mean, it's, it's getting really hard. I probably need to go home. Family, friends, and you must miss them. But seven years is a long time. Maybe you have built a com- I, I know you have built a community here. Yeah, I've actually gone through about two or three. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I've had, I've had sort of two or three main circles of friends in my time here, um, either professionally or personally. And it's something, honestly, to me, it's something you get used to. Um, it, it is difficult. Sometimes it, last year was actually really, really difficult not to be around my parents and not to be around um, my family for the holidays. But Honestly, it's it's on average about it's about a year and a half or two years that I don't see my family. Yeah, sometimes it's it's been over a couple of years, a couple of times, but um, it never really gets very. It never it never becomes painless, but it starts becoming the norm that you have your life here. Like for me, my professional life is here. I only have I only had dead end, you know, 
uh, blood, sweat, and tear jobs, part-time, part-time schmuck positions in the United States. Nothing that I, nothing that I could go back to. There's no reason for me to go back in many ways. So I, I don't miss the country. I don't miss the people. I don't miss how things are done. I don't miss the overwhelming nature of advertisements and uh, consumerism in supermarkets and such. I don't miss that for a single second. And so that also makes it easier. I miss the people and I miss some snacks, honestly. What's I, your favorite snack? Please don't say Twizzlers. What's the best color of sunset? There's no one answer. But I will say maybe, maybe goldfish actually, like they're they're fish shaped, uh, like okay. cheddar crackers. They're just they're actually really tasty. Um, they're not made like garbage. Um, yeah, they're tasty and they don't taste like, good. like they're not they're not made out of garbage and they actually you know are sometimes worth buying. You don't feel like death eating them like Doritos or something like that or good pretzels. I'll take that back. Goldfish, I'll still take a sponsorship. But pretzels, I would say good pretzels um, is something I would kill for. Uh-huh. Like here, you'd figure so close to Germany that you'd have some pretzel influence, some pretz influence. I don't know, it's like, it tastes like dough here. It, it, they're not good. They're not good. They, they, they are acceptable at best. It's like, I'm not going to make a drug reference. That's going to be a little bit bad taste because I don't even do drugs. So it's sort of, I don't want to make a drug joke and then have people that actually deal with that kind of stuff be like, that's son of a bitch. So let's just say... It's like having it's like having um, fake sugar compared to real sugar. You really can instantly tell one versus the other, and um, like a good pretzel, like Snyder Snyder's from Hanover. I'll still take a sponsorship, Snyder's from Hanover. <laughs> Basically, like th- there are some really good pretzels, like sourdough pretzels, regular pretzel rods, um, old style ones that are big, fat, and crunchy, or even like fresh pretzels. You know, finding those here is just that's. It's like a holy grail is trying to, you know, go on some kind of crusade to find a single one of them. Um, but suffice to say, I sometimes miss pretzels more than some people in the States. Mm-hmm. It's sad, but it's the truth. <laughs> I asked you something and we went to pretzel. That, uh, <laughs> the question I was going to ask is, is you remember your time back home and this Christmas back home and the Christmas that you... Uh, celebrate in Czech Republic how different are these in terms of feeling uh, I mean the, there's no or is it the same without the family I mean I I did not grow up around Christmas we have our own festivals but just like this evening it's very family based and our our, our celebrations are very communal um, apples and oranges I hate using the generic term but it's apples and oranges they're not they're different they're so fundamentally different that they really can't be compared Um, because every Christmas that I knew in the United States was waking up in my childhood bed. Let me preface that. My father waking us up in our childhood beds. The man is a consummate prankster and a lovable, veritable son of a bitch. That He's a guy that wakes up like 4 a.m. to um, go to work. So he'll come upstairs at 5 in the morning, 4.30 in the morning, slam open your door, start basically... Bouncing. bouncing you in the bed saying you know shouting that it's christmas time then he'll run out of the room he'll hear you'll hear him kick open the next door where my brother would sleep and he'd basically jostle him awake he'd kick open my sister's door and wake wake him up and say it's christmas time and then we would be the bleary-eyed ones stumbling and stomping downstairs while you know he's sitting in a bathrobe cup of coffee reading the morning newspaper saying what took you so long 
So, like, totally different thing here. I, I don't exactly have, you know, as much as I would love to fly him out here to jostle me awake for Christmas time, but it's just so different because here I've been either having it uh, with friends, um, sometimes with girlfriends, not simultaneous girlfriends, but in sequence, uh, basically having it with their families. And so I, I basically every time here, I've been having Czech Christmases. I had one Spanish Christmas and I had five, five soon to be six Czech Christmases. So it, they're different. You know, it's not better or worse necessarily. I do. I am nostalgic for the Christmases I grew up in, but they're so different that I can't really... I can't really put them in the same page. Apples and oranges. Apples and oranges in the most obnoxious way possible. So I do miss it. I, I definitely do miss that sometimes, but I don't miss the weather. Oh. And that makes it easier. So, Massachusetts. And now you are here. 81% of the population is uh, atheist or, or at least non-religious, according to the census. You were born in Massachusetts. Tell me about your about your childhood and were you born, uh, were you raised a devout Catholic? Um, no. Did you just, um, did you do some research? What? Like, About Massachusetts? Yeah. It's one of the most conservative parts of the United States. Not particularly. I thought it's the no, South. No, no, no. The South, no. In terms of many ways, no. The Massachusetts is not exceptionally it's not, conservative. It's not that sort of conservative, but they are devout Catholics. I mean, Catholicism is well, a... Is a tenet. Statistically, in the United States, mm -hmm. yes. They're basically, you will not find... You will effectively... I would argue, as far as I remember the statistics, you will not find a state with over 50% non-religiousness or 50% atheism. That just doesn't exist in the U.S. More is the shame. I was brought up basically and effectively a non-religious home. My mother and father were, I believe, no, my, my father was baptized. My mother was not baptized. I was not baptized. So, sorry um, if anybody is Catholic. I am a, I am a pure-blood heathen. Yeah, I was not raised religiously. My father kind of had some notions of it, but he never brought us to church. My mom never brought us to church. Like they just, they, if we wanted to go, they probably would have brought us, but we never cared to. My brother never showed interest. I never showed interest. Like we were religious in a casual sense. Yeah, yeah. There's the big guy upstairs who does all of these things. I should be good because he is watching us. Jesus Christ, literally. But. No, no, no. I, I never grew up religiously. The only, I only went to church maybe a handful of times, no more than like three or four times. And that was with like friends or neighbors who were casually religious. And I just found it to be terribly dull. And growing up into, I would say rather um, maybe uh, controversially, in growing up in an age of, you know, to the age of reason, I realized that it was just sort of a waste of time otherwise. Respectfully said, if you're religious, I'm not trying to say anything about it from my own personal perspective. I'm I, not. A, Mikey, are you? I'm a, I'm a devout atheist. Ah, okay. So then we're fairly kindred spirits in that case. I, I, I hold no, it holds no sway yeah, to me. Other listeners than, are going to say something. Uh, I know. I, I, I don't we'll mean any disrespect. We'll get burning crosses soon enough. Yeah. I, I mean no disrespect. Honestly, I don't care. So I really don't care about religion. I find it to be fascinating from a like a philosophical point of view, or from a you know from a um, so like from a sociological point of view. I think we have to pause. Anyways, we kind of had a little bit of bump. Oh no, Massachusetts, eighty-three percent. Yes, we want to discuss Massachusetts. My my growing up there. So basically, um, previously on 
Aliens in Prague. <laughs> Aliens uh, of Prague. He gets yeah. a pass. <laughs> Previously on the, the the actual correct title, not the bullshit I said. Um, yes, yeah, so I did not grow up in a religious family. Um, it was casually religious kind of a thing, but we never had to go to we never had to go to church. It was never something that was se- deemed important. If we wanted to, we could have. But because we didn't want to, and for me, playing video games for an unhealthy portion of my childhood, you know, telling me I'm going to go every single Sunday, dress up like, you know, dress up in a monkey suit and go sit around talking to somebody, you know, some dude who's saying I'm going to burn in hell unless I listen to, you know, if I dance to the tune he wants to play. Fuck off. It's not going to happen. But do you realize uh, people who believe in God, they're far more superior than people who do not believe in God. I mean, mean, I'll give you an example. When I was, one day I was going to an exam and the guy next to me was uh, carrying some, you know, uh, some picture of a God or goddess, goddess of education. There there are goddess of education. And and he was so like, yeah, dear God, help me. And then he had a God with him. I did not. And that's a lot of pressure, I feel. Well, I, I suppose, but that's assuming that somebody's actually, you know, some, somebody's on the other side of that phone call. There was a... I was trying to be funny, I guess. Oh, no, no, I get you. I'm just, you know, it's it's something that people take seriously enough, you know, invoking the name of God in war. In the name of Jesus. Yeah, it's sort of like they use that as a justification or they say like, oh, we are going to win because God is on our side or, you know, people in sports. Saying, you know, like, oh, thank you, God, for letting me hit this home run because child parasites and child death is secondary to sports victories. But again, that's going down a slippery slope. I don't want to make any. I just want to make a point. It's it's I really hate this term. Uh, If this is happening in my life, uh, God is doing it for a reason. You know, I really hate that. That's like cheating on yourself. Well, I mean, it's just it's. It's easier to explain away that something terrible is happening for a designed reason rather than just the cruel, um, uncaring nature of of existence of existence Bullshit. and of. Well, anyway, so um, I'm not religious. Um, I, I would say I'm actually quite fervently non-religious. I don't like. I don't say atheist necessarily. I'm definitely non-religious, but. You know, if you say this to some in some country, they're gonna stone you to death. Or, no, I know. Mm-hmm. This is why I try not to. I, you know, I don't shout it from the rooftops. I don't make me neither. In in some ways, I don't make it like I don't make atheism like a part of my life. Like I'm not I'm not like a person that makes it a point to be atheist as some do. I don't support what most religions do at all. In fact, I find them a lot of them be um, parasitic, predatory, disruptive, and ultimately. Um, damaging to society I find but it's sort of I don't want to make that a point like a, a cornerstone of my existence or of my personality in a way you even know? if you have a religion isn't it supposed to be more personal than your loved one I, I mean your God should know everything about you uh, that's why your God is more personal than your wife uh, proselytizing baby Part of a lot of religious books that you have to you have to spread the word. You have to convert the people who are not of your faith because if not, what's going to happen to them? Well, hey, we're going somewhere else. I that's think a, that's a that's a that's one of the that's one of the points why I'm an why I'm an atheist. I mean, nor, normally I would say I'm spiritual. Hmm. I I believe I believe in things happening. For instance, I I believe in a certain interpretation of the universe. If you wish, 
but the thing is uh the thing is i do not uh yeah i don't uh pray to any of that but my point is a different one actually so currently there are over three thousand religions on uh on this planet and each one of them thinks they are the correct one because they, if they didn't they would be, be praying to the other god or they would, they would be praying in a different way like the others do outsourcing so yeah exactly so my point i mean first of all if you have three thousand religions and all of them think they are the correct one then obviously this raises some red flags and on the other hand my other question is assuming one of them really is right and all the other ones are wrong and all the other ones are going to the so-called hell well sorry but that's i mean if if the only thing that matters is whether the rest of the i mean the 2999 religions and those who worship them if all of those people are going to hell simply because they didn't believe in that one religion because rather than rather because uh, and uh, all the things that they did in life i mean they were probably decent people and all of those things didn't matter well, sorry, but that's not a god I'm going to. Be, I'm willing to believe in. Well, that's that's the that's the thing of it is you you you're telling me you weren't born in a region that has this particular religion. <laughs> you have no knowledge, like people that live it. For example, in um, you know, uh, tribes living in South America or in Africa that have never had any contact with anybody who even remotely resembles a Catholic. Or let's say a hypothetical population in the North Pole that would has that is completely inaccessible to anybody else. You know, sort of, well, if they literally have no way of receiving the word of God or the knowledge of God and they're still damned for all eternity or, depending on your interpretation, they're going to waste in purgatory or perdition for a long time or until, you know, the end of days. Uh, Isn't that a bit cruel for a god? For an all-merciful all god? <laughs> you know, again, thinking of all the child abuse and child murder and child sickness, you know, and like weird parasites that specifically yeah. target children or basically predominantly kill children, I don't, the idea of a kind and loving god is still a strange concept to me. You know, it's sort of, that's, again, not exactly the road I was planning on going down discussing I'm sorry, Massachusetts. Derek, but Derek, you, you seem like a guy who knows a lot. You, you seem like a guy who is well-informed. Is it a practice thing or have you been like this forever? Um, some would say it's being a smartass. No, uh, it, it has to start somewhere and you know, something triggered it. Um, well, uh, it all started with my parents. Actually, it, basically, I was raised from a very young age to question things and um, learn to read ex at an extraordinarily young age. My mom had me sitting on her lap um, with the newspaper every single morning, and apparently I was learning how to read by like two, two and a half or something like that. I was able to kind of figure out what was going on. I only learned at four. <laughs> I mean, honestly, I, 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 only, I haven't gotten past the, the, the comics. You know, I can, pick up the, I can pick up the funny pictures, but I haven't learned how to read. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm a cartoonist, by the way. I, I feel offended. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> dialogue isn't exactly well known in many comic Funny circles. Man. However, some of them are amazing. Alan Moore, if you want to discuss comics, I'm happy to discuss oh, comics. But I know Alan Moore. <laughs> anyways, um, yeah, basically, I, I've always been a bit, I suppose, I always grew up as an inquisitive sort and l somehow had an itch for learning. Um, itch for education and just finding out, finding what's behind all of the closed doors. You know, what's what's in the back room of the church? What's in, um, what's you know, in the back of where you buy ice? You know, you you go to an ice shop. How does that get made? 
these are the things that I was I was always curious about and questioning. And have you found uh, all the answers? No, God, no. <laughs> the more um, I learn, the more I realize I know nothing. I, I'm glad you. I'm glad you brought your inquisitive nature up because uh, before this uh, before this podcast, I was informed you're actually a journalist. Uh, are you a journalist? No. Did I inform you that? Inf- no, 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 no. That's that's a common misconception. I went to university for journalism partially because I didn't. Mm, I had no mm. idea of what else I would do. To some degree, that's that's a much longer existential problem that I don't want to discuss exactly. We'll at this do point. it in the future episode. We we can possibly delve into that weird psychological trauma later on. But uh, I went to university for journalism, uh, journalism and biology primarily. So um, think of like National Geographic or Popular Science or something that's like a that. Weird mix, though. Uh, in theory, in theory, yes. Or well, no, in concept, in execution, yes. In theory, no. Again, think of like National Geographic, an excuse to travel, or like Anthony Bourdain, if you know him, basically exploring culture through natural phenomena or exploring, learning how something came to be by the parts that bring it all together. Um, Like food tying culture together, I find. Meals bringing people together or... um, the just the, the the wild, staggering, and overwhelming variety and madness of nature to bring the creatures that exist in this world, the, the the weird conditions that have to be in place for certain things to occur completely naturally. That's fascinating to me. It's just sort of it's one it's modern magic, or it's just it's not even modern. It's just organic magic. You know, like photosynthesis is fucking wild shit. Like. It's just amazing. Bees do dances and shit. Bees do dances to figure out where honey is, and they learn. Bees do calculus. Bees do, yeah. Bees are incredibly intelligent and are arguably one of the most important creatures on this planet. It's just they they have like a weird societal structure that is amazing and highly functional. And these are the things that I just love to learn about. And I just sort of I'm hungry to to learn about how each of these little tiny pieces click together in the world um, did academia help in some ways yeah it, it definitely it helped focus my interests in a way or focus my studies like being being able to become a, like a, a Google God being able to research or um, find out what, how to learn this information and gaining enough knowledge to be able to take advantage of certain situations. Um, that, you know, if somebody knows that you're into biology or if somebody knows that you're into journalism, it, it opens doors in a way because they know that you might be interested in something that other people definitely wouldn't. Um, uh, for example, uh, just by happenstance, I went on a tour, basically when I was still a tour guide, one person I met on a tour um, was a, a woman who was studying um, basically wood lice. She was studying wood lice for her PhD. Um, for anybody that doesn't know wood lice, those are like the one type of them are the pill bugs. They look like little armored pills. You know, they roll. They, they kind of scoot along in the ground or in the leaves. You poke them and they roll up into a like a little shiny segmented ball. Those things. She studied them. Actually, is a doctor in these things now, uh, you know, which is amazing for her. Yeah, definitely hats off to her um, for becoming a um, woodlouse doctor. And she was in Berlin 
met a professor on a basically a business meeting or like an academic meeting academic conference rather knew that i was interested in journalism and biology and invited me to go to berlin with her where she was going to have a private tour of the berlin natural history museum with this professor who is a curator of the museum so we got a private tour of the berlin natural history museum in the back rooms in the cataloging rooms with the um actual researchers having conversations with the researchers seeing the archives learning about the history of the building from like an actual practical worker's perspective and that's only a door that opened because of my weird annoying um curiosity passion obsession with learning things and biology i guess mm-hmm. and that that would never have happened if i wasn't a more curious obnoxious smart very communicative you can communicate well oh, that's a yeah, very kind yeah. thing for probably, you to say probably probably journalism paid off in some way <laughs> uh socially maybe uh-huh. financially ah <laughs> uh, okay <laughs> no 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 uh uh no i i don't think i've ever been paid for my written word um not nothing creative for sure academia has taught me a lot of things and nothing what i'm studying actually yeah so yeah, it's it's a, it's a lesson for life it, it, it's still a bitter pill to swallow sometimes I, it's not something i'm totally content with the fact that i don't do any writing anymore basically i don't do any creative writing and i haven't for a while which is a terrible shame but um yeah it's just it just meant that i learned a lot i i learned a little about a lot of things and so without wanting dear audience i don't want to sound like an arrogant asshole but i i feel like i can have a conversation about a lot of things because i know a little bit of a lot enough to get myself into trouble for sure but i i don't want to come across saying like i know everything i definitely understand exactly what you're talking about if you mention it i'll know it now because that's not true it's not shallow i think he knows a lot <laughs> i think i'm thinking about writing the description of this podcast we're going to say like a smart ass dominates the airways no, no, no. for 3 the hours the man who knew too much then the man who knew ah derek <laughs> his incredible life in prague uh stories about massachusetts and wood lice yeah that's going to be on there in there the stinky loud mass hole we couldn't get rid of him all right so we actually, we're actually going towards the end mark it's going to be soon one hour i mean we're trying to make the podcast one hour i mean more sure. than one hour so we're going to end here not now we're going to talk we're going to summarize everything so i am i'm sure there are people like you who are looking for better life or freedom as you said i mean how do you how do you describe them prague I mean if somebody's interested in Prague and do you recommend or is it some process that should come naturally that is a very good question I do recommend this city but it's a city it's a city you can't expect to it's a city and it's a culture that you can't expect to come to you yeah, I I feel you I feel you need to be somewhat adventurous to to choose a to choose a destination like this it's not uh, it's not I it's not hostile but it's not welcoming either. It it's uh it doesn't have a feeling. It's it's eager to it's it's eager to welcome you if you are willing to look into it. And I find it I find this place I mean I find to be honest I find Czechs to be quite lovely people in general and it's uh it's it's also amazing how com- communicative they are once you once you show in once you once you show genuine interest towards uh towards this place 
in general. And um, one of the actually one of the things I love about this place, for instance, in uh, in Holland, I have I have quite a few friends in the Netherlands. And uh, for instance, whenever they whenever they try to speak Dutch, uh, because everyone in the Netherlands speaks at least three other languages. So everyone will just go, oh, it's okay, we speak English. So they will just, you know, shut them down. I think it's with, with Czechs. I can, uh, I can actually, I mean, I can start a, a conversation in Czech and they have no problem keeping it up. And obviously if they see me struggle, for instance, then they will help me out and then they will resume their Czech. And they, they, actually, lo- they actually like the fact that someone is, is trying to learn the language. And it has, it has also, it has made me appreciate uh, appreciate people who learn other languages. I I used to be, I mean, when I was much younger. H- how old are you anyway? Is that a polite thing to ask? Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm twenty nine. Twenty nine. Oh, so I I really am the oldest in this room. Well, what does that even mean? Yes, grandpa. <laughs> it's uh, actually this is going age, to be a age is just a number. Yeah, this is going to be a this will be a recurring theme. Ah, uh, you, you disagree. Uh, well, I, it it really depends on what side of the fence we're standing on here. What do you mean the fence? Um, well, age is just a number. Gets a, okay. it becomes a really dangerous conversation depending on what topic you're talking about. We're gonna deal with this later. All right. Mm-hmm. I forgot where I was going with this. <laughs> you asked him the, his age. Uh, anyways, uh, I think it's gonna be. Uh, let's let's wrap it up. All right. Any any last word, Derek? I mean, if somebody wants to meet you or talk to you about something i don't know i don't know where this is going i don't know if, i don't even know if people will listen to this or not we're very skeptical right mikey i was born skeptical okay yeah so so i suppose in the last the last parting words um about this country and basically the people here and people wanting to whether people should come here and try to make a living here i think it's worth it if you want to if you want to make yourself a part of this country if you just want to come here for if somebody just wants to come here for you know six months and try to work and then move on you're, you might not have a particularly good time because you probably won't meet checks probably you won't meet checks you won't actually see the country properly um, and I don't think you'll get a true appreciation of it or people won't appreciate your presence here you're just going to be another tourist you're going to be another um, you're going to be another loud expat that never actually has any idea of how things are here as opposed to if you come here if somebody comes here and is actually makes the effort to learn the language even just the the smallest effort to learn the language here it's difficult yeah i'm tired of hearing the excuse it's too difficult i'm really honestly tired of it i've been here for 5 years i have tried to take i have had to i've had i have tried to study it formally and informally i still do off and on i've been slacking lately but there's literally in my opinion there's no excuse to not learning at least the basic basics of czech if you can't place an order in czech and you're here for more than a year i don't know what the hell you're doing it's just with how much warmer people will receive you i have not been to a country where people appreciate it more than this one i have this um you once you started talking guy I remembered my previous point and the thing is first of all I hate uh, I mean uh, actually I don't hate the word expat I hate being associated with the word expat I, I don't disagree 
to me to me an expat is someone to me an expat expat is a mercenary is someone who simply goes to a country maybe gets a, gets a job somewhere works for a year as a as a man as a manager or something we, some something we, pretty we high were up. talking about it the other day right yeah i don't think i don't think it's on no no the, it's, it's not the, it's not on there we're yeah, talking but, i met somebody who who doesn't love this place anymore and <clears throat> and they're here for a long time and they're moving away to another place and yeah, maybe and you're associating that expert word with that mm, right mercenary i it's yeah a bit although uh, although to me to me an expat is also someone of a of a higher social standing as well, well. that's the thing is what's the difference between an expat and an immigrant an immigrant actually tries to integrate well, that's that, the thing because to me to me expats i do not see expats trying to trying to integrate and the thing is the the thing is the high, the higher your social standing is the, the more likely you will, you're going less, to be called yeah, an expat and the, and the less likely you will be you will feel the the need to to integrate as well i i don't i don't know if i'd necessarily agree with that myself i mean i see where you're coming from i don't think it's an invalid point but i mean you make a very good point though um there is a there is a fundamental flaw in the term expat versus an immigrant i am definitely an immigrant first and foremost okay. like okay. we should ex- we should change yeah. the word right yeah, i mean it's just i don't think there's i i don't think that there's the argument for it one way or another is in a terribly important one just for this moment but yeah i i would co- definitely consider myself an immigrant when i speak with czechs sometimes in czech about them disliking immigrants that's me even though basically the the ones that they are often talking about are ones that are not white and not predominantly christian or catholic or whatever so that's a bit of a different conversation that's a bit of a different implication at that point that they don't like Im- it's not that they have a problem with immigrants they have people they don't they have a problem with people that don't look like them but that's a whole different thing don't look at me <laughs> I, i make no implications one way or another it's just basically that's that's a different conversation it's right. just yeah i think i think i think we're done with the one hour so derek thank you for coming yeah. thank you for having me uh, it was a delight I'm, i'm surprised that it went i mean i don't know if it went well for you or not but i i had fun i've had a fun time other than my beer getting spilled um i it's Sorry been fun that. i'd be happy to come back or even you know we stop this one and then start part two yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right so have a nice day everybody and hope to see you guys soon if thank anybody wants to find me don't listening. try to find me So this concludes uh, our podcast and if you have come this far then you are far better people than we are. And if you want to get connected with us, find us on Instagram and Facebook Aliens of Prague. Yeah, if you have any feedback, please be ruthless, we need it. Feel free to share your opinion, experience or something that you want to share with us. Anything. Thank you for listening and hope to see you all next week. Ciao. Bye-bye.